Hi, everyone. This is Ray Richards. You are about to listen to our final episode for year one of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews, and it's It Part 2. Unfortunately, we had a lot of people in the studio and a lot of mics set up and some extra equipment, and the audio quality came out very, very iffy. I have tried my best to clean up the audio and get it in a presentable format, but it is pretty raw, so I apologize. In the future, we will definitely do better audio checks before starting our recordings, and we came right from the theater and really wanted to get into the review. So uh, without further ado, here is our It Part 2 review. From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddy, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. We have a very special episode. This is our final episode for year one of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. We've been doing this for just about a year. We recorded our first episode, I think, in August, but we actually published it more towards October. In the studio, we have a whole slew of guest hosts, co-hosts, and all kind of people that have been involved with Hilltop Horror either as guest hosts before or behind the scenes. So I'm going to introduce them right now. I have my usual two co-hosts, Helen Stewart. Hello. And Ann Conley. Hey, guys. We have Jimmy Stewart, Helen's husband, who guest hosts with us on From Dust Till Dawn. Hello. Uh, we have Patrick Riley, who did a segment in the first couple episodes, kind of giving us a non-horror fan's perspective. It's a pleasure to return. And introducing Lynn Miller, who is my cousin, and also probably the person who likes horror movies the most of anyone I've ever met. Hello there. For new listeners, this is going to be our format for this episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie we'll be reviewing. Then we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch. Next, we're going to review the movie in roughly chronological order. After that, Helen's going to take us through Kill, Chill, and Thrill. And then we'll wrap things up with our ratings. All right, so tonight we are reviewing It Chapter 2, 2019 American supernatural horror film and the sequel to the 2017 film It, both based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Stephen King. It's set in 2016, 27 years after the events depicted in the first film, Stars Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, James Ransom, and Andy Bean as the adult versions of the Losers Club. Bill Skarsgård also returns as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. It Chapter 2 premiered at the Regency Village Theater in Los Angeles on August 23, 2019, and was theatrically released in the United States by Warner Brothers Pictures on September 6, 2019. Much like its predecessor, It Chapter 2 received praise from critics for its acting, particularly Hader and Skarsgård. Themes and faithfulness to the novel, though criticism was aimed at its runtime and weaker scares compared to its predecessor. Just so you know, you said the wrong date. Did I? What did yeah. I say? You said August 23rd. That's okay. Nobody's going to check out. Next, we're going to go through our expectations going into the watch. So let's see. Let's start with Helen. Why don't you give us your expectations going out? Okay. I felt like it part one was slightly boring with the kids growing up type thing and kind of having that little group. I was not anticipating to be thrilled in the it part two, sadly. Yeah. 
Oh man, I'm not sure you should have done the two of us back to back because I was going to say exactly the same thing. So maybe that works out well. I, you know, in part one, I was lukewarm on seeing again. I didn't love it that much the first time I saw it. Part two, I mean, I had heard that it was pretty good. So I was sensing an uptick as we began to go to the theater that my excitement was mounting to see something. Hope that we get some answers to the questions that we previously posed. All right. Lynn, can you save us here? What were your expectations? I was super excited. Yes. I love it. And I was excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Patrick. I was also excited to see it. I did like the first day. And I was just hoping that there wasn't a giant spider at the end. All right. Jimmy? So I enjoyed the first hit, and I was excited when I saw the trailer and also the uh, the castings, because I found a lot of the actors in this movie. So I had excitement for it, but I will not spoil my uh, my feelings on the movie. Okay. You had uh, the excitements. Yes, I had the excitements. <laughs> In 2016, Derry, Maine, Adrian Mellon is beaten by a youth gang and thrown from a bridge. In the riverbank, he is killed by Pennywise. Mike Hanlon overhears the incident on the police scanner and rushes to the scene. Upon realizing it has resurfaced, Mike calls the other members of the Losers back to Derry. Bill is a successful author and screenwriter. Beverly is a fashion designer who endures an abusive relationship with her husband. Ben has lost weight and is a successful and handsome but lonely architect. Richie has become a famous stand-up comedian. Eddie is a risk assessor. And Stanley is a wealthy partner in a large accounting firm. All are amnesic about their childhoods in Derry and deeply disturbed by the phone call from Mike, but reluctantly agree to return. Stanley, however, commits suicide. The remaining members reunite at a local Chinese restaurant. However, the night goes horrifically wrong when their fortune cookies transform into monstrous conjurings by it. Bill confronts Mike over the situation after Mike reveals that he called them back to stop it. Richie and Eddie decide to leave. Mike reveals to Bill that he met with a Native American tribe who showed him the ritual of Chud, a way of destroying it once and for all. Bill and Mike convince Richie and Eddie to stay and finish what was started. A flashback shows Henry Bowers escaping the sewers but getting arrested for the murder of his father. Back in the present, Bowers is in a mental hospital and escapes with its help. So usually I jump in with the opening scene and I thought this is a very interesting take. This is not where I expected it to go. We, we revisit Derry. We jump straight into a carnival with clown imagery everywhere. So already you're like, oh my God, (laughs) all the history that this town has with a terrorizing clown. You know, really? We're going to put giant clown faces there? Okay. All right. It's a carnival. And although I thought it was pretty traumatizing, the whole idea that these, that this gay couple was being bullied yet again by horrible hometown brutes. I mean, it was way more terrifying when his body was thrown over in that creepy, crazy, you know, glowing eyes, it is standing there on the side of the riverbank with the extended arm. I don't know about you guys, but I'd be like, oh, no thanks. I'll swim the other way. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, did anyone else think that the kid that took the hat, like he was standing there egging them on? I was like, is he real or is he it? I kind of felt like I was expecting him to turn into the clown because I like, what other reason are these guys beating up gay guys for, like as associated to it and his whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was a little out of left field. He looked a little possessed. Like, even, like, his face was, like, decaying. So... Yeah, like, bad acne. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Totally. But, like, you're kind of... Or like, whatever you get on your lips. And I just Gonorrhea. Herpes. Not really. Herpes. herpes. Thank herpes. you. Of the mouth. I didn't that at all, though. Like, I just didn't understand them. I'm like... I, I know it's a small town. But I'm like, it's 2019 and, like, in your... You're, you're this, like, 
homophobic yeah. at this point. But I felt like that was the point. They were showing you the town did not change. Well, the but they also didn't give a shit home. because, like, that's the end of the storyline for that. Like, does, Adrian! This guy just lost his, I'm assuming, boyfriend, fiance, whatever. Like, yeah. there was an attempted murder at the least, right? Yeah. And that's it. Like, you, you never hear another word about it. Well, you don't circle back with any of the missing children and whatnot, so we'll give them that. People are missing. Well, you see the stories where they say, you know, limbs found in the barrens and whatnot. But but it was interesting that they decided to go with a group of, I mean, they look like adults to me. Well, Some that's when there was one kid and, like, there was an old dude. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, like, beating up and basically killing the one gay guy. And Adrian. then... Yeah, then and yeah, then it comes and gets him. I mean, they could have very easily just had it come back and like stalk a kid and kill him in the carnival, and it would have been just as sort of traumatizing, I guess. I think the point was like a new Henry Bowers, but they never followed up with him. But yeah, then they went back and got him from the mental that's institution. Is you never follow up with him? So right. I'm like, what's the point of bringing these assholes in? And like, uh, it just it seemed like a weird way to reintroduce Pennywise. Yeah, that was definitely weird. He had covered up in a hate crime, basically. Yeah. Like, I was wondering yeah. if it was more of like, let's, you know, not that this the book didn't take place in the 80s, but the first movie does, that, you know, racial issues were there, and we've moved supposedly more from that now, that in 2016 we're more on the hate the gays. Yeah, I guess substitution for hate the blacks, it's like hate the gays. Yeah. I get it. It also, I guess, is a corollary a little bit to Richie's storyline right since richie's gay i guess is what they're trying to tell you so mike calls up everybody and brings them all back what do you guys think about that set of scenes you should have realized he needed to use his last name <laughs> exactly mike this is mike <laughs> mike who <laughs> mike from Jerry. Mike Hanlon. Yeah. say that six times <laughs> <laughs> what was a little confusing about it was so i got all the angst when they're like oh shit mike's calling us like you know it's not good but then you find out later that none of them remember anything about Derry or who Mike even is until they get back to Derry. So I was just confused by that whole piece and like why they just readily agreed to go back to this town where they don't remember anything about. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a little disjointed. Like at first you thought they remembered and they didn't want to go back. Right. And then, yeah, they're like, I don't remember. You don't know exactly what they remember when they first get to Derry, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. There was kind of this shuffle between what they did mem- remember and what didn't. And clearly, Beverly seemed to remember the least. Like, she had clicked, like huge portions of her childhood blacked out. But to me, it seemed like they knew, A, that they were from Derry, had spent time there. B, had made this pact. But did not remember any of the Pennywise specific stuff. And I think that, is it Richie? I think it is because he speaks to when he vomits or whatnot. So they have that moment where they reference that. And I think Bill says he felt the fear. Well, Bill, Bill's the one who like clenched his hand, like that has the scar on it, right? He like was on the phone. And he like clenched his hand. So right. I think he felt whatever that bond was. Well, and that's what they were saying. They all felt this horrible feeling of pure fear, but they didn't know why. They were just like, something's wrong. And then, like, the idea that they made this pact compelled them to come back. But it was, I mean, I'll give you that. Like, I felt like it was a little weak. I mean, you didn't hear, like, the full mic like, conversations type of thing. I think it was just like, you know, you made a promise. Like, I need you back. Well, and I felt like it was well done. It was good scenes until you found out that they were amnesic. 
Yeah, yeah. Because you know, then I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I, I don't get it then. Yeah. Well, in bed, saw all of them die, so she just watching like random people die in her dreams, or she like, oh, that was, I just watched Richie die. Well, she forgot who he was, so I guess he was a stranger yeah. until she remembered him and said, oh, well, that's Richie. That's probably why her husband freaked out. Yeah, I gotta go back and visit the guy I like in Maine, but I don't remember anything about him. He shouldn't care. Yeah. They're, they're let, me, all- let me say. Let me, let me just put it this way. Yeah, if your wife wakes up in the middle of the night and is packing and says, "Oh, my childhood friend called me and I have to leave right away," it does sound suspicious. I'm well, not gonna lie. If to you're you. an abusive husband, then screw you, anyways. No, no, I'm not saying. I mean, obviously he's abusive. He's no good. But I'm just saying in general, like it's. Her it's a, thing it's a pretty kind of story. me the most too because it was if you the further you ran, the more you forgot. Where when you see her scene, I'm like. Is that her dad? Like they, or did they pick her husband to look so much like her dad? Yeah. And then you find out he's abusive, and you're like, "Well, how far? You didn't really run that far, so why do you? Are you the one who forgot the most?" Well, was it geographically or emotionally? I guess I'm with the emotional, maybe. Not very far. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Deep thoughts from Ian Conley. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you guys think of the Chinese restaurant, the fortune cookies, and all the creatures coming out, and the whole like, you know, riddle? What the frick was that? That was crazy. All the creatures? Yeah, the baby... What was that? Cricket thing? I don't know. Baby spider? Baby face? Yeah, there was also eyeball eyeball with tentacles. There was like a red stuff in the fish orange dragon. Yeah, yeah. The single bat wing. Yeah. Yeah. The heads in the fish tanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, That was good. I actually thought that was a cool scene. There was lots of cool effects there. I like how calm the waitress was when she walked in and like... I was waiting for someone to say we saw a cockroach or we saw saw a rat or yeah. something like you would cover that shit up right <laughs> but it was almost even funnier that he was like yeah we're good <laughs> like didn't yeah. explain on any level I was taken aback because I thought that the graphics in the first one were good like the CGI was good but in some ways it almost felt like practical effects it all still felt fairly within the realm of reality yeah we had the dead eyes and we had the floating bodies and stuff like that but the the effects like the clown face coming out of the projector like it was very well textured like it still felt very real in this one i mean the baby face grafted onto like a spider you're like what is that and to me it like immediately changed the whole tone of the movie i agree i think that the creatures definitely got crazier and more exotic i mean even you know towards the end of the movie with um stan's head and turning into a spider. Like, there's different Lovecraftian sort of tentacly type of creature things going on. You know what I will say, though, is Stephen King always comes out with some crazy stuff. So, like, the spider legs coming out of the head, I felt like that was more in track with what I'd expect from a Stephen King. Some of this weird stuff, like the eyeball with tentacles and, like, the single bat wing, which was, like, almost comical. I was a little bit like, hmm, are we trying to go pure evil here? Are we trying to go comedy? Yeah, I think the bat guy got demoted probably because he didn't do his <laughs> job very well. He was he got stuck in that cookie and didn't, didn't really do his job. It fired him the next day. Exactly. But I did like the cookies with the, the single word fortunes and how they're piecing it all together and it tells him that Stanley killed himself basically. Like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was suspenseful. Is that in the book, Lynn? I'm not there yet. Okay. But that's not how they find out in the miniseries. I thought that was really well done. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that coming, that you were like, oh, there's one missing cookie, and, like, the heat will be inserted in there. But even sort of figuring it out early on, like, waiting to see, like, who had the final cookie, or I thought it was actually going to be Stanley's cookie le- left in the bowl. That's what I thought, too. I thought oh. going to have to open one more for Stanley. That was going to be so much better, don't you think? Yeah, I, like, didn't, I didn't count the words there in a the number of people, but I was like, oh, they have to open Stanley's cookie. And they never did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so the part about Mike meeting the Native American tribe was oh. like really kind of bothersome to me. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, same here. Did not like it. So weird, right? Okay, first of all, I just want to say I also thought that Mike was like a totally different character in this movie. Yes, I agree. That was weird, right? He was homeschooled, gentle, right? Kid growing up, raised on a farm or whatever you want to sort of deem uh, that area. And you can imagine he'd probably become maybe a little emotionally weird living in Derry for the next 27 years. So I get that. But he just seemed like almost, I don't want to say schizophrenic, but he just seemed really weird to the point where I was like, this might take a totally different dark turn that Mike really did lure the back here for really bad reasons, malicious, yeah. which you sort of get at the end. But yeah, he was weird. And the whole Native American thing was weird. Well, that's what you get with smoking with Native American, whatever, drinking that stuff for like 27 years. The you root. a little strange. The root. The <laughs> root, man. Root. He was doing it for 27 years? Um, you don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, I will say you do enough to make it. I did not read the book, so maybe I just didn't know these things. But this is where the movie took a turn for me. Once he started going, he's got this wicker basket that glows, and he starts talking about Native American tribes, and then there's this comet with aliens that crashed on the Earth. I was like, what the fuck just happened in this movie? Well, that's, that's kind of the Lovecraftian part of the origin story of it, right? It's really a a, a super not supernatural of alien or extraterrestrial entity in I the mean, end. And, and I get that the first movie, like it is supernatural, like it's clearly not just a person murdering people, right? I get that, but it was still more horror. Like I felt like yeah. it was scarier. It was more like classic horror. And this is, I was like, what is happening right now? There's peach pipes being smoked, and he's in a teepee, and like, what is <laughs> happening? So I think one of the reasons I was really hating on the first movie was because to me, it wasn't just core horror. You had these sci-fi influences that I didn't like. And typically I like the sci-fi horror. Like I usually really love that stuff, but it annoyed me that it was almost like, you know, this small town, almost, you know, standard haunting type of thing. And that they were implying that there was some alien type of nature to it. And you're like, okay, great. So like the clown's an alien, really? So I think that bothered me for the first one. I think by the time I was seeing the second one, I just presumed that's where it was going to go. So I was like, but I do agree. The wicker leather ritual thing. You're like, what? Really? Like, where did this come from? And how are these people even still alive to tell you about it? And why aren't they hunting it? And if it failed the first time, then why do you think it's even going to happen? It's going to work again. Well, I, I think that's Mike's big sin, right? Is he goes there and learns it from them, and they told him it didn't work, right? I mean, they moved because it didn't work. Well, I mean, and he all, just he just decides to lie about it, and he thinks because they are together that they'll make it work. But like, how stupid are the friends? Oh, they did this before. Not a single one of the friends wants to say, "Well, then why is it still out there?" Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking in the movie. I was like, "Wait a minute! If they captured him, how did he get out?" Yeah. So I felt like that was the one big, like, convenience of just, like, uh, okay, we'll just go along with it, which I, maybe in the moment, oh, we took a second to think about that, but I was kind of like, well, it clearly couldn't have been that effective of a ritual, because he's still out there eating kids. I would have preferred if the whole club as adults would have had to have figured that out during the movie, instead of just having the answers handed to them by Mike, and Mike just taking them through the steps to kind of perform the ritual. Like, in my opinion, them coming back to Derry and it killing kids and them being like trying to stop the kids from being killed like Bill was and, and failing and then trying to figure out how to get rid of him would have been interesting versus 
the sort of continued flashbacks we had of them filling in parts of the first movie, which seemed like maybe they didn't fit sometimes to me. I agree. Yeah, the whole tribe thing that needs to go. It didn't make sense. And I feel like in the fur in the miniseries, the, the whole point of them killing it is they're together. So that's when they figure it out when they're together. Whatever, like at the end of the miniseries, they have to. She has to shoot. Bev shoots the rock into the deadlights yeah. to kill it. But they figure that out together because the point is together. The whole tribe thing and the ritual that just seemed like they threw it in there and it was weird. I just feel like this was too many horror things being thrown at you mm. that you couldn't even really focus and understand on one. You got your Native American hauntings, which I know he likes with The Shining. You have your zombie people coming back and being chauffeurs and driving around the psychiatric guy who escapes in a car. You've got creepy alien stuff, spiders, clowns. What else? Haunted house type thing, like paranormally type activity. It was just through the roof too many things in one. Hate crimes. Hate crimes. (laughs) In order for the ritual to work, each loser must have an artifact from their past to place in a piece of ancient pottery. Beverly goes to her old home and finds the love letter Ben wrote for her, though she still believes Bill wrote it. Bill goes to the sewer where Georgie was killed and recovers his paper boat before meeting a young young boy named Dean, who tells Bill that he lives in his old house and often hears voices in the shower drains. Bill tells him to leave Derry and never come back, but he refuses. Ben goes to the town's high school and finds his old yearbook page, which Beverly was the only person to sign. Eddie goes to a pharmacy and recovers an inhaler. Richie goes to an abandoned arcade where he finds an old game token, which he remembers a bad memory of him being taunted for his sexuality. After escaping individual encounters with it, the losers use a shower cap from their childhood clubhouse as a a placement for Stanley, and Mike finds a rock that started their fight against Bowers and his gang. Eddie's attacked by Bowers, but he is able to defend himself and force him to flee. Bill realizes that Pennywise is going after Dean at the carnival and finds Dean in a hall of mirrors, but is but is unable to save him from being violently devoured by Pennywise. Bill, traumatized by his failure to save both Georgie and Dean, returns to the abandoned Nebolt house to murder it by himself. The rest of the losers, after killing Bowers, arrive to help Bill. The group ventures down into the sewers and into a chasm where Mike sets up the steps necessary for the ritual. So let's start with Beverly. So my only question is about the dad, because I thought he was very clearly dead in the first movie. This woman's like, oh, yeah, he passed a few years ago. She's like, oh, we didn't keep in touch. I'm like, did he live? I thought he was very clearly dead. Yeah, I, I got the impression he was dead at the end of the first movie as well. It, it's funny because if you think about it, that means that he wasn't dead. Then she had to prove that he had abused her and that she was using self-defense when she tried to murder him, essentially. And then she was going to go live with her aunt. Yeah, right, and yeah. all that had to happen before the end of the first movie when... We already knew she was going to go live with her aunt. So that's crazy. Yeah, I was confused by that whole scene. Although I, I love the, the lady. It got creepy when you kept seeing her in the background. Oh, yeah. The creepy twisty moves. Oh, and, and then the naked scene. Like yeah. I was like, <laughs> the that first, lady naked? The, Please don't come close. The first, thing, the first thing I thought was like, I wonder how Ray feels about these boobs. Yeah, I, was, I was scared. I, clo- I closed my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, she was scary when she came out of the dark. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed that scene. I mean, they they overused the like the fast like movement towards the the camera type of thing that they did, but she was especially terrifying to me. 
You were just picturing getting knocked out by the swinging boobs. I mean, maybe because the boobs were at eye level, it was like, <laughs> Yeah, I thought they did a really good job in the first movie. We talked about that creepy librarian scene where the smile just keeps getting bigger. And I thought it was just cool seeing that actress have like those really awkward pauses of silence and just waiting. <laughs> I thought that was well done. It was very similar to the clown, how the clown sometimes stops. Almost like he's disconnected, like his Wi-Fi right. got broken from the main <laughs> alien thing, you know, and also he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on it. Connectivity issues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was good. And, and I mean, I guess probably out of the whole movie, I thought the big, creepy, zombie, naked lady was maybe the worst effect. I just thought it didn't, the textures weren't great. And I think, I mean, obviously it's not like you see like big, giant, zombie, naked ladies, so it's not like, <laughs> I could say it doesn't look realistic, but... You know, I just thought it looked the most fantastical and the most unrealistic yeah, of all I mean, She was blue and like seven feet tall all of a sudden. Just, yeah, yeah, she was all stretched and weird looking. And her skin had like some translucency to it, but it looked very alien. It suddenly didn't look like skin anymore. It was just a little bit weird, but but still, still scary. I did like the clown part at the end of that, though. When she walks out into the hallway and she's trying to get out of the door and it's the guy from the picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think Scar? You think Scarsgard had at least one like stipulation in his contract that he could do one scene without full makeup on, and that's why they had to stick it in there. (laughs) Can't make him look too ugly. Yeah, I'll tell you about the prosthetic to get that head built up, though. Yeah, because he does not have that big of a head. No, no. I felt like, in fact, his his forehead continued to grow throughout the movie. I was like, (laughs) is the forehead getting bigger or is it just me? (laughs) Maybe that's why his face paint is crackly. Right? Yes, definitely. Just continue to grow with the more children he consumed. Yeah, I kind of felt like this movie, he was definitely more of a, like, non, like, typical clown. The first movie, you could kind of get away with. He seemed a little more friendlier until he obviously went ballistic and then ate you. But this one, it was like, for the most part, he was just creepy and off. His mm-hmm. eyes were never together. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they did that, where one's just always looking off in one direction. But He was pissed the whole time, I think. Mm. Maybe. You're right. He had a goal. I mean, it was all about revenge. It wasn't, you know. I, I, the little I, girl under the bleachers. Well, I think he was yeah. eating just to gain his strength so he could, you know, get the revenge he saw. Get that forehead a little bigger. Yeah. Well, I will say with that, like, with that girl, I thought there was something else going on in the town because she had the, the facial... Birthmark. The birthmark. Because I was thinking about to the, the asshole kid at the beginning who had something going on with his face, and I'm like, oh, maybe there's something weird in the water in this town or something. But <laughs> no, the just, she just, yeah, she just <laughs> had a birthmark, and I got her face eaten. So. I mean, that would have been cool, too, considering it's like the whole wheel house. Well, house thing. He could have poisoned the water and kept these towns. See, there you go. You're welcome, Stephen King. You can come come to us and we'll consult on your next novels. <laughs> so next we have a uh, Bill, and he goes uh, back to the sewer where Georgie was killed and recovers his boat. So he's like looking looking down in the little what do they call that sewer Sewage drain storm drain. Yeah, and um, almost gets drug in by a bunch of hands. Yeah. But right? tiny hands are creepy. Tiny hands yeah. are creepy. So <laughs> many tiny hands in this movie. So many. I, I thought it was cool, but I actually thought that effect was a little overused. Yes. I was like, why all the baby hands? We, we clearly had a baby hand template in the CGI <laughs> company, and they were like, more baby hands. See, even the spider legs had baby hands. They didn't just have, like, yeah. balls. Like, baby <laughs> hands. Instead of cowbell, they went with baby legs. hands. Yeah. And its hand at the end, all the baby hands came out of the hand. 
There are multiple hand references. You're like, okay. Yes, it was a little weird. I agree. But it was creepy. I I think my only issue with this scene was um, this is the only artifact that, like, came from supernatural, not real. Like, everybody else had, like, they found an actual thing or they had it, and then he just gets this boat that was, you know, disappeared 27 years ago. Yeah, I thought it was his bike. That's what I thought, too. And then, like, he just leaves his bike at the fair. Right. They can't fit that in the 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 wicker basket. True. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did he? I don't know. (laughs) I thought it was leather. It looked like it was stone. It was leather. Not ancient pottery. It was leather. Yeah, it, it, it was like leather. Treated leather, right? That they had sewn, and that's why he could etch into it. Yeah, it was leather. Yeah, okay. this, this wiki is riddled with uh, inaccuracies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought the weirdest part of the scene was him telling the kid to move. I'm like, dude, the kid's parents are going to be like, oh, yeah, we better go. Yeah, he was just freaking Jerry, out. Don't they know that, like, none of the adults listen to wasn't that like a main theme to the series? Yeah, I like I leaned right over to Ray and was like, "Why wouldn't he take that kid by the hand, walk up the street, talk to the parents, and be like, you just got to go? Your kid's hearing voices from the drain. This town has been known to kill, abduct, eat children. Just go because he's being targeted. No, let's grab this six-year-old by the shoulders and shake him until he's practically having like an epileptic seizure and screaming at him to get out of the town." What I thought was interesting was when you fast forward to the carnival and the the mirror scene, it was like Bill was getting so feverish about this. I thought that he was terrifying the child more than the clown was at first. And then you get the two of them frantically beating on the glass on either side. I'm like, I don't know who the kid's more scared of, like the clown or like Bill going like frenzied, crazy man on the other side. Like who? something, man. <laughs> But to your point, I was thinking the same thing, and I was expecting the twist where Pennywise wasn't there, and Bill was going to break through the glass and, like... Eat him. Well, not eat him, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, the kid is terrorized, because Bill thinks he's saving him, but he's really terrorizing him. Oh, and, like, the glass could splinter and yeah. actually stab the kid accidentally. And, yeah. I didn't even think that scene was going to happen, because I thought at the end of the street scene with the storm drain, the kid was looking back at him across the Oh, me too. I, I thought he was going to get yeah, here comes the truck. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, right. It's going to get hit by a car. But the kid, like, this is another thing that bothered me about this movie. So we first see this kid, Dean, in the Chinese restaurant where uh, Richie. Uh, Richie. Richie thinks that he's basically Pennywise and he's, you know, messing with him. And you find out he's the kid from town. And then you see him, he lives in Bill's old house. And then you see him at the storm drain. I'm like, okay, this kid is like something. And then. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're going to see later, like, Bill races to the carnival to save this kid, and he, and then he just gets eaten that quickly, and that's the end of that storyline. Oh, I'm like, okay, so this this kid that they kept building up through the movie just didn't mean shit. Yeah, I mean, I think... Well, they did the same thing to the girl with the uh, birthmark, because she was the girl that the guy... Gave the little stuffed animal yeah, to. Yeah, beginning. these little so teasings. Well, you know, I kind of felt like they served a purpose, although I do have an interesting fun fact. That on the bottom of Jean's skateboard was a pattern that is the same pattern in the carpet in The Shining. Oh. <laughs> so apparently this movie is like littered with all kinds of Easter eggs. So they have enough time to find the pattern from The Shining and put it on a skateboard, but not enough time to come up with something other than baby hands to put on every monster. That's just outsourced. <laughs> baby hands. <laughs> I guess so. Baby hands. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. It's kind of terrible. All right, so let's move on to Ben. So Ben goes to the high school and finds his old yearbook. So, so what do you think of um, Beverly with the flame face? 
You know, like not to not to speak specifically to Flameface, but I really had a hard time with these finding the tokens and the flashbacks and the timeline type thing. Mm -hmm. It was really distracting to me. I kind of wish they had just skipped all the past timelines. Maybe I mean there were some scary scenes. I did think that they did a good job with the Flameface part because it did look like her still, and that was creepy. I feel like this should have been in the first movie because Ben didn't really have anything. Besides, he was the fat kid in the first movie. I don't know why they didn't, you know, put this whole scene in there. Right. I, well, you I totally thought one of the whatever guy was on the picture was going to like. Yeah, I was waiting for one yeah. of the new kids to come out yeah. of the picture. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they yeah. No, the no, there when they made it oh, yeah. But I do agree. I mean, Ben's story in the first movie is so lean. And then he gets like the clubhouse, which we don't ever hear about in the first movie. And then this scene in, yeah. in this movie. The clubhouse that was like. A bunker that he constructed, like, underground? Like, well, he said it was already dug out, so he had that much, right? I think he referenced that it was already dug out, but yeah. And then and then they never really... I'm trying to figure out when they have the time in the first movie to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the whole thing makes no sense. So, well, well that's the thing. So, cause, so, Helen and I were talking about this after the movie. So, I do remember that I think it, when they had the fight, it was, like, June, I think? Maybe July? Uh-huh. And then it goes to August. So I think there was like a month there when they were apart. And they were talking about that they weren't together the entire summer. The thing I didn't get about Ben scene, though, is he was like the super smart one. Right? Why did he go sit in summer school classes? It was like an architect. Yeah. Oh, was that an architecture thing he was talking about? I thought thought the sign on the school said, like, welcome to summer school. Students well, just because it's summer school doesn't mean it's slow kids summer school. I mean, <laughs> based, based, based on all the kids that were, based on all the kids that were in there, they were being jerks to him. Like I got the impression that they were like the, the assholes from but school. To then, continue my being an asshole and Ben um, sleeping, yeah. right? Yeah, but like, yeah, so I you have the fat kid who's reinforcing this bunker all by himself. That didn't yeah, like in in a month. <laughs> It just didn't seem to, like, really make sense to me. Like, he had no help. Like, a kid on his own doing it would be. But, like, the... the yeah, okay. Yeah, no, 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 you're no, right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. He's, he's, I'm, he's just staring at me. No, no, he's a loner. Like, that's his thing. Like, he's never had friends. He never thought he had friends. Like, like that's one of his biggest fears. Is it, like, revolves. Even in the wiki, they're like, he's handsome and successful, but lonely. And you're like, oh, God. You really, even as an adult, we're, like, teasing this poor kid. He also walked out of the 90s. I'm sorry. Like, that dude didn't look like he came from 2016. Wait, we didn't know. even talk about his metamorphosis. But he was in Tokyo. Like, different whole culture. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, another fun fact, in that original scene where we have that architecture scene, and originally you think that's that's our Ben, right? Like, the pudgy The portly guy, yeah. He's the actor who played the original Ben oh, cool. in the original miniseries as kids. Oh. Man, how much does that suck? <laughs> it does kind of suck. Yeah. 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 yeah, you have to come back and play the decoy fat Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so awkward. I thought the same thing. I was like, ooh, salt the wound much? But just, at least he's getting a paycheck. Yeah, he's getting paid. That's Bonus. all that matters. Yep. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. But I love that double fake out. Like, I, I thought that was so well yeah. done. You're like, wait, no, this handsome guy has transformed Benjamin. Oh. I thought that was cool. I thought that was what well done. Because I thought it was interesting with, like, all of the actors. I felt like they all, like, the casting was really good because they all look like the grown-up versions of the younger actors with the exception of Ben. But they 
kind of clear that up really quickly where everybody's like, what happened to you? You used to be fat. You know, and it's, you know they just kind of make that point. But I thought Bowers was spot on. He looked like he had aged 27 oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cut that mole of Bowers. It's been 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, let's just move to that part real quick. So Bowers takes and stabs Eddie in the face with that knife and it's like sticking through his cheek and in his mouth you can see it kind of in his mouth yeah. and Ugh, above, and, his uh, above his tongue and i thought it was awesome how he retreated back into the shower and like almost pulled like a pennywise on him like he put the curtain up there and then wham stabbed him through the through the shower curtain and i thought it was pretty cool it's too bad later on he got scared he kind of went regressed i think but uh, that was a cool scene i like that scene a lot yeah he definitely stabbed that guy in a place where he would be walking around <laughs> well, and also he completely stabbed him in the gut in the bathroom, and then when he hopped out the yeah. window, he like pulled the head out of his heart. Okay, that's definitely. I he stabbed him like in the chest, but I thought he hit him right. I think it moved. Originally, it was like almost just like between like your sternum and belly. He breaks the window, climbs out of the second or third story. And then, turns, and then turns around and looks up and then takes the knife out of his chest. <laughs> yeah. I might have done that in the bathroom when there was probably some gauze in the medicine cabinet or something. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I felt like it was like, he, 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 like pulled out of his heart and then he like scampers off. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I kind of felt like he was supernatural at that point. I mean, I wondered to what extent the bullies, like we were talking about with the water being poisoned and tainting the town a little bit jokingly. Um, that, you know, Pennywise was almost infecting these bullies and, like, perpetuating hate crimes and that type of thing in the town. I mean, I don't know. Small towns have hate crimes. America has hate crimes. Large towns have hate crimes. So it's not to say that it's one-to-one. But I did wonder, like, if since Pennywise had come back and chosen him and then right, had gotten the zombie, his ex-friend, like, give him the knife and helped him break out and that whole thing. And like, drive him around. How? In yes. a potentially a ghost car. I'm not really sure. Yeah, great call out. Right, with the, what was that, the... Pan Am? What, Trans Am. No. Trans Am. <laughs> I, think, I think Pan Am was a was an air, air line. Airline. <laughs> <laughs> to go backwards a little bit, I did like the part where Ben was in uh, the school or whatever, and he looks up, and Bev stands up, and it looks like Pennywise, and he freaks out, but then he turns down, oh, and it yeah. looks like Bev. I thought that was cool. And it actually is Pennywise. Yeah. Yeah, I liked how they gave her, like, the little puff sleeves, and, like, they really made it, like, sort of try to fake the silhouette, but, yeah, yeah, that was creepy, man. And then she does that, it's just me, which also is not, like, the way that she talks, and then she did that really creepy kind of weird smile, and you're like, oh, she, that actress did such a great job that was just in between, Mm -hmm. like, authentic and Pennywise territory. It was just ambiguous enough, you didn't know. So we have three more parts in this little section that we kind of maybe go through them quickly here so we have eddie goes to the pharmacy gets his inhaler we have richie goes to the arcade um to get his game token and then he gets attacked by paul bunyan or whatever and then you have the part with bill in the in the um at the fair i love the the part like just being the hypochondriac going into the basement hearing his mom call him it's just like broken needles disgusting blood bags hanging first of all like why is this in a pharmacy and then his, his mom in the tracksuit is, like, tied up. And then he had the creepy zombie thing. That was, like, it was perfect because you knew he was a hypochondriac. It was disgusting. It, it was, like, a weird version of Pulp Fiction with the gimp. Like, the thing has, like, the bag over its head. It's, like, with the chains and all that. It was weird, yeah. I love my boy, Eddie. I love seeing him on the screen again. I love the grown-up actor. Oh, my gosh. I think we all almost, like, gasped when he came on screen because he looks so he much did. like... Little Eddie, such great casting, and both of them 
did such a fantastic job acting. Okay, the one thing I definitely did not care for was the crazy zombie just, like, tonguing his mom. Yeah, that was gross. There was a lot of weird tongue things in this movie. Mm, good point. Yeah. So, yeah, then we have Richie. This is where we really find out that he's gay, right? This is the only indication we have that he's gay. Well, it's just uh, Bowers' cousin basically calls him gay. I know, but he is. I had no indication up until kind of like the end that I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I feel like the Paul Bunyan scene, he says, like, I know your secret, and that's where he's free and you're like, okay, well, I, I, maybe he's gay, I don't know. But, like, they never come out and say it, and it's basically when you see the R and E on the, the bridge at the very end. Okay, wait now. So this is interesting. So all three guys, you thought it was not clearly implied that he had potentially homosexual thoughts during the arcade scene. No. Uh, no? No, no. No, I think... No, no I think no, it, I thought it was a bully calling him gay. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the curly blonde hair guy I thought yeah. he was definitely hitting on. Well, I thought it was implied. What did you think, Lynn? No, I didn't notice. You didn't pick I, up on I, it? I would have thought the cousin was gay before... Richard. Yeah, because why would you say that? You know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like I'm just saying, okay. calling you that because I'm afraid something's going to call yeah. So what they did that you guys didn't pick up on is when they gave the high five, they lingered on the high five with their hands. Like a little too long. Like it was a little too touchy-feely. And then that's when Richie goes, uh, uh, you know, you could come back and play again if you want. And like right there, you're like, huh. Like it wasn't that it was clear by any means. And then that's where he kind of goes, like, the cousin's like, what? And then, right, yeah, his, his you know, the bully comes out and he's like, he's, yeah, fairies and gay and blah, 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 blah. But it was just, it was it was a very light hint, but it was definitely there. I didn't well, think they were going to go that way. I think I, I got kids. it, but it was like, I, just didn't. I thought he was just mm-hmm. trying to make new friends because he didn't have friends then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was implied, but I don't ever think it was implied that he was secretly in love with Eddie. No, I didn't think that was clear. I we're, mean, I we're think at the end. He writes plus e. I mean, well, you get it when he almost overreacts to his death, and like, like you kind of assume he's probably secretly in love with him because they also show their continued relationship of the two of them throughout this movie. As sure, as well. sure. The two of them going playfully going after one. But another. like Mike Hanlon at the end says, "Bill, I love you." And he says, "I love you too, buddy." Like you know, you can you can be best buds. Oh, of course. Cool. No, they had her out. Totally separate. Yeah, totally separate. No, I agree with him. But what I will say is, you know, I, I liked it. I liked that they had that subtlety in that scene. And it left me like, huh. I mean, I wasn't like 100% like, oh, he's a homosexual. Like, that clearly sold it. You were just like, I wonder if they did that intentionally. I wasn't sure. And then when they did the Paul Bunyan scene, yeah, where, he, where he went out and he, he, you know, Richie was so affected by them calling him a fairy and kind of just was like, in his own head and went out there and was so upset. I mean, foul mouth trash can Richie with such thick skin, right? He wouldn't have cared if it wasn't true. And then when Pennywise came in and was like, I know your secret. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, wow. I just, I thought it was well done. But, but then it's just another unfinished thing because he never reveals his secret. Like you just see the thing where he's recarving the art. Like I was expecting that to have to come out at some point in this ritual of revealing truths and whatever it was called. Yeah. You know, like it, to me, it was just like, okay, they put this out there and then did nothing with it. Yeah. I mean, his friends didn't have to learn about it and accept it or say, Hey, we knew that even a long time ago or, yeah, well, you know, I forgot that you were gay or whatever they would have said. All right. And finally in this section, we have 
Bill in the carnival. Which, by the way, Helen, Jimmy, did they just uh, film this in between Stranger Things season three filming? Because like, please I, leave the setup. I mean, I mean, I, I had the same thought. I mean, even the angles—they were going around. I was like, this is the exact same carnival. Close. They uh, made that mirror made seem way too hard too. I've done a few of those, and you're like, oh, there's smudge prints all over the places. Yeah. And there are very clean mirrors. Yeah. But, and then there was that one part where he tries to turn the corner and it was like really tight. Like he couldn't get through. I'm like, yeah, is this specifically for children? Yeah. This is not ADA approved. Did you, <laughs> did you see the wall? It was closing in. And then when he got through, it started to open back up again. So it was almost like on hydraulics. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it bothered me too, because you're like, first of all, that is not safe. Like, like if that was supposed to be a literal physical effect in a legitimate haunted house, then no, like that would not be approved. But I thought the same thing. I was like, you just look at the floor in those things. You can clearly see where the floor goes, but I get it. It's a movie. That's not the point. Yeah. And I guess he trapped the kid, right? Well, that was my like, question. Was, was like, did, did he just walk into like a, a box somehow? I think Pennywise was just manipulating stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Pennywise version of the mirror maze. Yeah. And thank God he grew his head because who knows if he could have, you know, came yeah. down those mirrors. That's right. He <laughs> needed the extra girth. <laughs> Can always use the extra girth. <laughs> <laughs> he needed some serious effort to break through that glass, too. I don't know what was going yeah. on there. Yeah. That was... so, so he magically creates this glass and yet he can't break through it. So I don't know. Well, I thought it was just, you know, him scared. Him. Yeah, he's maximizing the fear. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I actually thought that that part was decently done. Him licking the mirror and then... I mean, they, the I, out I mean, they reused the tongue from the Scooby-Doo movies from like 20 years ago, but <laughs> beyond that, I was okay with it. Yeah, it was just him watching George die, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Bill had a great arc across both movies. I thought, I thought he did. The best arc, probably, across both movies of any of the characters. His was definitely very complex. I appreciated the point with him, you know, fixating on this kid and trying to save him and ultimately seeing him murdered again in front of him. And we'll, I'm sure, get into it a little bit later, but right, the whole self-guilt and blaming himself type of reality and how he self-resolves as well. As, it was deep. Deep, man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's touch on the part where uh, Bowers gets killed in the library, which I think was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I like that a lot, too. Tomahawk. Anticlimactic. I wanted more. Well, I mean, Richie's whole like, that was long overdue because we're in the library. And then throwing up, that was like the funniest thing in the movie, I think. It, it was interesting that it was Bowers in there. But then you also, you still had the, the it component with the book that fell off. And the headline is uh, changed from what it actually was. Yeah. You know, where it says like, Two crackheads, you know, die in the fire, and you know it's his parents, obviously. But then you find out later that the actual headline is like two locals, two locals die in the fire. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like looking at this, and then Henry comes out of nowhere and you know, freaks out on him, and uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I'm with I'm with Helen. Like I just felt like I wanted more. I like that they tomahawked him in the head, but I was. I, I don't know if I thought it was anticlimactic, but I was definitely not satisfied with that scene. One thing I didn't like about it is I don't think you need to telegraph the tomahawk. Like in, earlier in the movie, Bill looks in there and sees the stuff. You don't need to break the glass and then linger the camera on the tomahawk for like a good second before you move on. Because then you're just like, yep, the tomahawk is going to die with the tomahawk. Like, yeah, you should have left that. Would have been more of a surprise. I, 
I know it was like annoying, but I'm going to disagree just because otherwise you're going, where the fuck did he get a tomahawk from? <laughs> well, but you would realize it because it broke and it was on the ground and the things were on the ground. I don't know. I don't think it was. As long as you see it at some point. I, I just had a problem with how quickly they killed him because they, I felt like they did a lot with, or he survived the first movie and he's living in this mental institution and he escapes and, you know, he's rolling with his dead friend. And he just got stabbed in the heart and he was totally yeah, fine. totally fine. And then it's just, <laughs> oh, he's dead. And it's just, it's just another one of those things where I feel like they have these subplots or small storylines that just end or go nowhere. I feel like they read the book and they said, we need to keep certain things, but they don't have enough time to do justice to those I things. And he was one of them. I know, I know. Well, that's not even counting the first movie. Have you guys seen the miniseries? Because no. it's it just as like the, he exactly. he goes after Mike and he stabs him. He's dead. Like it. It's very similar. Very similar. I mean, I just feel like he could have <laughs> died in the first movie, and it would have changed nothing about the second movie. Agreed. Like no, it really added nothing. I liked that he came back and he recruited him out of prison, out of like this mental asylum. I thought I thought that whole thing was good, but I, I agree. I was not happy with how it ended. He could have hung around even longer. I was actually waiting for him to jump up with the axe sticking out of his head. Right. I was kind of like, you're sort of supernatural, dude. So. Right. And I just feel like if you're going to have this dead dude drive you around in a car, then clearly you could have like an army of half-dead people helping you get to whatever it is that you want. Yeah, you got baby face spiders. That guy yeah, can definitely get up. Baby hands, baby face spiders, yeah. fat wings, eyeballs. You got it all. So yeah. What happened to the dead dude? Did you just like wait 20 minutes and be like, ah, fuck you, he's not coming back? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> he, 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 yeah, he took the car and was like, I'm out. The meter's running, man. <laughs> Is he like an Uber? He's like, I got to pick up. <laughs> all right, so after all this, they get back together, right? And they they meet Bill at the Nebolt house. And then they go down into. Uh, the, the the chasm where it, I guess, crashed. This is where Jimmy and I disagree. Sure. So get ready for this argument. Here we go. <laughs> this, uh, I'm ding, ding. Some more quail. So <laughs> I had a problem with this house in the first movie. Just because, but uh, I cut it some slack. It's the 80s. I'm like, but this thing is, I don't know. It's been abandoned for like 50 years in the first movie. And I'm like. Why has nobody torn this shit down? Thank right? you. I said the same thing. And then 27 years later, I'm like, there's nice houses right next door. I was like, do these people not care about their property values? Like, what the hell is happening here? Why is this thing still here? Well, I have an answer because every 27 years, it comes back and pays like a mortgage down payment. <laughs> and that's he, he keeps it. I think that's how it works. In blood, yeah. I don't know. And I think it's and, like a supernatural thing, that there's some sort of thing that's preventing people from saying, I need to take care of this. Like, that's that, everybody else is delusioned into seeing all these things that Pennywise, like, manipulates, that he's probably manipulating what most people are seeing so, with his house. So, Helen, you are actually right, because in Stephen, some of Stephen King's novels, specifically the Dark Tower novels, there's a haunted house in that novel. And basically, people just don't see it. Right, they they pass it by. They it, they kind of don't ever really acknowledge that it exists. But here's my issue: is like these kids knew what the Nebold House was. Like they knew exactly where they had to go. They go past it every day. They saw it before the plan. Like so, people know what this house is, and they give zero indication that people in this town are impacted this way at all. You just are led to believe that there's this shitty house on the corner of Main Street. With cobwebs that are now like fifty years worth of cobwebs, like with a well in the basement, like what the hell? Some developer different. 
Ben would have torn that shit down and, and built the house on it. But. I know they allude to it a lot in the miniseries, but just that people in Derry don't. They ignore everything. Like, when the kids are getting tortured, they just walk away. They drive away. Like, it's... So, I think they know it's there, but they don't it's like, do it, anything with it. It's like ignorance is bliss yeah. to the nth degree. So, how do you feel, <laughs> having watched the miniseries, like, the comparison of having seen the adults and their ignorance like their purposeful ignorance of what's going on versus this one where we don't see that. Do you feel like it's just ties things in better? Yeah, I think it's definitely confusing if you didn't see the miniseries. That they specifically show at least two to three times of parents driving by as they're torturing actually Ben when Henry Bowers cuts like the whatever into his stomach. They just drive by. Like and when Bev's getting, I think, attacked by her dad in the miniseries, somebody sees it but they don't do anything. Like they show it a bunch and like actually like say it. And this, they do nothing. So it's kind of weird. Like, you wouldn't know. All right, so what did you guys think of the fact they go down into the sewers, they kind of retrace their steps, and they get back to, I assume, the location where the sort of clown um, circus car was, cart was and the bodies were floating. And now there's just, like, I don't know, an Indian, Native American remain like wooden thing there with, like, a circular symbol? I didn't understand why they had to get into a room to get into a room. I was like, why? Why wouldn't we just have the final fight scene right there? You had the tower of shit with the bodies floating. All that's cleared out now. Just have whatever you need to do right there. Like, why did we have to now go <laughs> into another well, a well of the well, to go into another now alien later? The, the comet went down like 30 stories into the earth. Yeah, I mean, they then had to climb down to like, is that? Well, what, it was, yeah, it was a little well, silly. To what me. was confusing to me was I thought that what that circular door was over top of was where the meteorite went into and crashed into the earth. But they go down that tunnel, and then they go like through another little piece of cavern to a big area where obviously the comet actually crashed, and they look up and there's this huge hole. And I'm yeah, like, I, I want to know where that hole was. Yeah, and they were I, in a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to know, like, where, why was there a, a, a little tunnel off to the side that led down to it? Like, I was confused by those two things. I thought they were climbing down through the shaft that the that the um, comet made, but obviously not. I thought it was how it came and went. Which is fair, because it could theoretically come in and out. But I also felt like the thing that they crawled down through was a rock lined, like, another well. So it was almost like, I, I mean, I guess if I had to make up some ridiculous explanation, what I would say is the comet crashed. You know, the Native Americans back in the day built that well down into that area. Yeah, that's what I would that say. That was too, their yeah. door. And then over time, because roads build up, sewers build up, cities build up on top of it, then eventually that was built up. So then the sewer system then attached to that area, which was originally street level, quote unquote, type of thing. But like, that's so convoluted. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, and why the symbol on the little circle door? I think it got back to the Native American didn't mythology. Stop anything, though. Like, like there was no. Oh no! Like, oh, we tried this and this didn't work. Now we have our pottery and that didn't work. Like, nothing <laughs> ever tied into what their I, whole I thing was. I think it was a pirate wicket that just said comet hole. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Like, don't enter a comet hole. It's down yeah. here. <laughs> so, so they get down there, and you get to see where the comet hit, as we alluded to, and it's like this big blast area. It's almost like it's frozen stone or i don't know what it was what i liked was when you got to see the deadlights coming down like the shaft that it it was like the teeth yeah it was like the mouth which i thought was pretty cool it made no sense kind of but it was still pretty cool i thought it looked very anatomically inappropriate 
Wow. I didn't think that his rocks were as much from the meteors. I thought it was like an altar that whatever this alien thing had built. I thought it more related it to whatever the alien was in the 27 years and, you know, does it go to sleep? Does that? I didn't think that. It was his bed? Nest? His hole. His hole? Okay. The ritual appeared to be a success, but a giant version of Pennywise materializes and pressures Mike into telling the losers that he never told them the final result of the ritual. All of the Native Americans died. The losers are thrust into nightmare scenarios in which they are forced to escape from. Bill is forced to confront the fact that he has pretended to be sick on the day of Jersey's death while Beverly remembers it was Ben who wrote her the love letter. Richie is caught by Pennywise's deadlights, but Eddie saves him and is then mortally wounded. The losers regroup and realize Pennywise can be killed if they make him feel smaller than he really is. They insult him and make him physically grow smaller and weaker until they are able to tear out his heart and crush it, ultimately killing him. Richie tearfully tries to save Eddie, but Eddie dies from his injuries. The remaining losers return to the quarry where they once swam together to console Richie over Eddie's passing while Beverly and Ben share a kiss. In the aftermath of destroying it, Bill begins to write a new book while Mike is moving out of Derry and onto a new life. Ben and Beverly start a romantic relationship and Richie returns to the bridge where he had once carved his initials and those of another person now revealed to be Eddie. Richie recarves them before leaving. All right, there's a whole other section here. They go down, and again, we're subjected to individual, like, escape scenarios, like, horror scenarios for, like, the third, or I don't know, it feels like the fourth time in this movie. And I don't know, Ben's doesn't make any sense to me at all. He's being, like, consumed by the dirt. And Beverly is, like, all the blood again, but in the bathroom, kind of like high school. The only one that really makes sense to me is Bill's, where he finally confronts himself and his little brother, you know, you learn finally that he was lying about being sick. He wasn't sick. He just didn't want to play. He forgives himself. Okay. Ben's made sense to me because he was being buried alive. He was dying alone. Beverly's I was trying to figure out because does it get back to her childhood nightmares of being perceived as a slut and never deserving anyone? It, it was a bit mysterious. You know, the bathroom was like a cell to her, right? She wasn't able to get out of it. So she felt trapped. And I mean, I mean, you, of course, you could take that uh, in sort of a you know a meta way to say she was trapped in her own paradigm with her abusive father, and then remarrying a very similar man type of thing. But yeah, I mean, I didn't love that it was sort of the same effects over again too. It was sort of like, well, I, I think that the point in some ways was they were hearkening back again that a piece of them was still from their childhood. I mean, I think Ben should have just started to get big like that blueberry girl from uh, Willy Wonka, and he should have been choking to death on his fat. I think think that would have been a more accurate sort of representation of what (laughs) he was was afraid of. Was that his true fear to get fat again? But it wasn't. The idea was Well, he would still die alone. He's by himself dying, being buried by dirt. Sure. You're just adding insult to injury. Just (laughs) you're fat and you're alone. Well, no, I'm just just saying that Pennywise (laughs) specifically says- you're still a fat little boy who's going to die alone. He should have been a fat person who was going to die alone. All those sit-ups and he's still die alone. <laughs> yeah. I have to agree that I really liked Bill's because he almost took the place of Pennywise in the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And then he also looked like he was puppeteering Georgie at the end of it. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I just kind of like the whole forgiving himself thing I could have done without. But just being in that reverse position where he was sort of where Pennywise was was pretty cool. I actually liked uh, Richie and Eddie's. I, yeah, it was the, the three doors from the first movie. Yep. Not scary, scary, very scary. Like, when they, you know, they're, yeah, reverse psychology. 
they're, they're going very scary. It's you know freaked them out. And the Pomeranian, I thought was hysterical because when they were talking about it, it you had to get it to reveal its true form. And I think Richie said like, "Oh, maybe it's a puppy." Pomeranian, you know, and he's like, I'll shut up now. And then you open that door, and there's a Pomeranian there, and you keep talking to it. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. The only thing I didn't like about it was in the first movie, it is not Eddie and Richie. It's Richie and Bill because yeah. Eddie falls through the um, second floor, right. and he has, like, the broken arm, and they're trying to get to him. So it was, you know, once again, to Anne's point, they, like, recycled it to make it work. Yeah, I wish that they maybe dug a little deeper with those two. I love, I don't know. I liked on one hand the recall of the door scenario because you're like, oh, like throwback. And and it was cool because it gave them a second chance to figure it out. Just like you're saying, Jimmy, like, oh, they cracked it. Like, no, 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 it's reverse psychology. Let's go into the very scary, which also just like a torso-less body can't do much damage to yeah, you. So definitely should just push the <laughs> push those legs on over. Can't see you. Run right through. Um, although I do feel like it was probably Bill who was braver the first time. I remember Bill was the one who was like, it's not real, it's not real, and then it dissolves and they go through. So maybe he helped them break that. I think that they should have taken the opportunity to address the fact that Richie was in love with Eddie. Like, they're both there by themselves, and they could have, like, made that a thing. And instead they used it for comic relief, which is still funny, but... Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going with it, was, like, that was cool on one hand, but, you know, on the other hand, we didn't get any deeper with, like, the psychological perspective of Richie or Eddie. Like, what was Eddie's real fear? Oh, he was, hypercon- he was a hypochondriac, yeah. Yeah, but was there anything else? I mean, like, a few of these characters, they had them on multiple levels, which I appreciated, like... But, but yes, agreed. It was a missed opportunity. So we have the end. Uh, they ultimately figure out if they, I guess, um, troll Pennywise. I hated this. this was yeah, I didn't really get it. And he just becomes smaller and smaller. Like somehow his physical form matters. I, I don't know. I didn't get that. And then all the way down to they take his heart out and crush it. And that, and the deadlights just like disappear or something like that. I hated every single second of that. So your, your whole, like the first part and this part you're like oh this bullying is terrible and i get this is a killer clown so you're not really wanting to be like nice to it but then you're promoting the bullying to make them feel small enough so that you can get to it because eddie was the one who said that if he choked him he felt him kind of withering <laughs> and that's where he thought he could die and that's why they wanted him small enough so that they could get him to choke him but then he pulled his heart out the supernatural being he has a beating heart you're like let's just squeeze it and then it becomes like mercury droplets that disappear into the air yeah, I, mean, I hated it. Yeah, I didn't care for that either. But did you like the spider better from the miniseries? Oh, yes. oh wow. Okay. It's definitely yeah. a lot scarier. I mean, I okay. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> like. I didn't like the ultimate sort of like let's insult him until he becomes small and then kill him. But I really liked when the deadlights came up out of the basket and they're floating there. And when he deadlights Richie. Yep. And it's like, yeah. it's in the back of his head and it's coming out through his like gaping mouth. Like, I liked that. That was cool. That was the iconic scene or imagery to me. But yeah, once he's like, poor little clown with his poor little hands, it's like, it's like drowning the baby in the bathwater. It's like, it's like you're going to hold him over there and drown him. Like, it was just weird and like mm-hmm. weirdly aggressive. Yeah. Like, Richie comes and rips off his arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you remember back to the first one, that's, that's how they beat him because they're like, I'm not afraid of you. Then they all start attacking him and then he, he crawls like away into the spider. <laughs> I mean, okay. Did you think that when Richie ripped his arm off, he was going to beat him with it? Because I was I so sure oh, he was going to hit him. Hit him. 
Yeah, with a claw. Yeah, just well, do what he did to Eddie. Hit him with a claw. <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> felt like he literally, they literally said, we're going to make fun of you until you get small. And he's standing there like, oh, okay. And then they make fun of him and then he gets small. Yeah, weird. It wasn't like a weird, like, set aside where they're strategizing this in secret. Well, they just like told him what was going to happen. I thought they had a really good point when they were saying, okay, they start off strong saying like Native Americans said this being has to respond to its physical form. Like it's responsible for that. You're like, okay, sure. We'll go with that. And then they're like, we'll have to lure him through this tiny hole. So he'll have to shrink himself down. And then we got him. And I was like, oh, okay. Like in, in the, you know, world that we're living in, in it chapter two, that actually makes relatively good sense. If you're going to accept that you have to make him small, I, I like the fact that they sort of bullied him into feeling small versus saying, we're going to physically try to get him to go someplace where he has to be small. This thing has appeared wherever it wants, whenever it wants, in all kinds of forms, and somehow forcing him down a small tunnel is going to make him have to be small. And the whole idea that he has to respond in the form that he's in, I mean, I don't know what the Native Americans were smoking, but like... I, I, yeah, exactly. It's the root. But like, I don't know that that in the rest of the movie is enforced at all, is it? But he specifically talks about the lever. I mean, I think there's enough material there. It's not a lot, but I think there's enough material there that substantiates it. I still really understand it. <laughs> They're just saying whatever form he takes, right, he's responsible for that form. So if he shrinks down to an itty bitty spider and you step on him, he dies, right? If he's a giant spider and he's super powerful, then. That but, is what he is. But in, in the first one, he was a clown, and they stabbed him through the head, and he didn't die. Clowns don't live through that. Right? Like, like it wasn't like he was mortal because he was looking like a clown. Like, I, I just didn't well, get that. Well, that's also that. he's not, like, a physical... That's what I mean. I just, I didn't understand that that's, yet. That's not, isn't the, the true form three lights? Yes. <laughs> like, I, that's, I don't I, know. That's yeah. why I didn't get there. Like, you have to get it like back that. to his true light, or his, his true form, and I'm like... I yeah, it was just three yeah. I mean, the original like ritual made sense. Get the lights in a basket and tie it down so that they can't get out. Like type you know, of right, idea. Right. 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 Think about what you just said. Huh? I mean, it makes <laughs> think about what you just said. It makes more sense than let's insult this clown until he gets small and then rip his metaphorical heart out and squeeze it to death. No, no, I totally get. It. Put the lights in the basket. Yeah. It's not the lotion. It's the lights. Yeah. Put the lights in the basket. <laughs> it also turns into like mush at the end. Though. I just, yeah. yeah, it didn't really. Can I add? And then back to her point of the heart. Can I ask about the miniseries though? Like, was it like an actual spider? Yes. Dude, it's a full blown giant spider. Okay, because I was it. Super fake looking. Because I just don't get like why it's half clown, half spider in this movie. Like, why does he still have a clown torso and head? Well, like, I, I just don't get it. I, I think hey, they're really doing the spider just as an homage back to yeah. the to the miniseries. You know what I mean? Right, but when it, ultimately they're like, it has to be in its original, like, true form. And I'm like, really? Its true form is half spider, half clown? Like, what? It's better than full spider, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they actually also say in the miniseries that it changes its form every time. So you have to get it back to its true form. So whatever its true form is different every time. I guess every 27 years, it's a different form. Giant ladybug, giant caterpillar. I mean, I'm with you, Jimmy. It's, it's, it's three lights. It's yeah. three lights. I mean, I, it's three lights that fit in a basket. Yeah, why, exactly. Why, if they, if it's three lights, why would they the say way. that the dead lights are <laughs> the true form? They never. They always say it has to go back to its true form, and these are the dead lights. They never said one was the other. 
Yeah. And in the miniseries to kill it, they shot the deadlights. Which I liked more than taking out his heart and all of them squeezing it. So when the deadlights were shot, was it like glass? (laughs) When what? Like when they shot the deadlights, was it like glass or was it shooting something that was more organic? You just didn't, it just like, it was the, what did she shoot? The silver bullet and it just, the spider just disappeared. Like it just, that was it. Can't make judgments on the 80s. Right. Made for TV. But to me, that made more sense. (laughs) No judging. Well, after they did that, they still beat it up and ripped its heart out. The spider? I mean, they did, but like, it was. It was already dead. It was already dead. Like, but like in this one, they but I don't think it was. They were just making sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it, like the Indiana Jones. The heart's still beating in their hand, and I'm like, oh, what? I was waiting and for you. Like, oh, we'll just yeah. squeeze it. Like, Together. Together, we'll like, squeeze so this so heart. You guys just all yeah. squeeze yeah. it. You can, like, the clown's still alive with the beating heart outside of its body, but. Right, do okay, the sound yeah, effect. Yeah, after you insulted it and made it small so you could do this. Do so you have a sound effect? Yeah. The answer isn't trust and love and friendship, it's mutual. Murder, like hey, just crime. kill something all together. <laughs> That's what it is. The, the friends who bully together stay together. That's right. right. Yeah, I feel like, of course, that one big remaining question is: you've got the deadlights, you've got this semi-physical form. What is that relationship? Right? Are they codependent? So you could kill either at the end of the day, and that dissolves all of it. I mean, I agree. Where you want to say the core of this being is clearly these deadlights that are controlling it. It goes through the head. It goes through the clown face, right? Gets Richie. But the clown is clearly a physical representation of whatever this is. So it's tough to say. I I don't think that this movie did a good job at all clarifying sort of the, the relationship of the two of those. Because as they attack the clown in whatever weird way that they did it, it then began to dissolve the deadlights. And you were like, really? I mean, okay. You alluded to that earlier, but... It was, yeah, felt unsatisfactory. Well, and then in the first movie, the deadlights are inside of the clown. Or he has access to the deadlights because he opens up his mall there and and gets Beverly. So, you know, they were also in the clown somehow. Although, in truth, you don't see the full back of his head while that happens or anything like that. You assume that they're within his gullet. But I'm just saying, playing devil's advocate. Sure. All right. Anything else? Before we move on. The best part about this is that the house is now finally gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it was like 20 feet from like a perfectly normal house. It just like... That was my point. Into the bottom. Like, I'm pretty sure there's like a playground in the backyard, like a swing set. I'm like, you let your kid play out there with a piece of shit next to it that might fall over and do more kinds of tetanus? Like, Don't worry, this sinkhole cleared it right up. I feel like I need to address this Stanley letter. So you have all this group, the group of friends, they've all moved away. They all have amnesia, but Stanley doesn't. And he writes this letter as he's dying saying, sorry, guys, I was too scared to come back. So I just off myself. That's why he was so scared. Because he remembered. I, but, I, yeah, but, I just feel like. But it's a like, huge plot hole. Yeah. If you Everybody move away, you forget. forget. Everyone forgets. Has no clue what's going on. Not Stanley. Not Stanley. As soon as he gets the call, he's like. I'm out. Oh shit! I gotta kill myself and write write six letters. It's like mic drop. <laughs> because I know that to you know, with me, you can't kill it. But if I kill, if I sacrifice myself, you're good. He hand wrote the same letters. Like times. massive plot hole. Yeah, like photocopy yeah. that thing and leave the name blank. Well, I thought the same thing. Just, I was like, I thought they were just all photocopied. Awesome. Or yeah. maybe, maybe Bill just got the original. <laughs> yeah, it looked, it looked like a photocopy. Six times. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. We're going to move on to Helen. Kill, chill, and thrill. So in this little segment, we kill somebody we can't stand. We hang out with somebody who we want to hang out with. And we have sex with somebody who is visually pleasing. So I'm going to go and start with Jimmy. <laughs> uh, so kill, uh, it's kind of a bit part, but uh, I would kill Bev's husband. Just because you can't tolerate that kind of abusive behavior. He stole mine, Jimmy. Well, you should have gone first. Anyway. <laughs> I choose the people. So. Uh, chill. I would probably chill with Richie just because uh, he was a seraphal. Maybe funny guy. Maybe be a lot of fun. Um, and then thrill. I mean, it's got to be Bev. Just <laughs> Jessica Chastain. I don't even care about Bev. It's Jessica Chastain. <laughs> All right, Anne. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I, I felt the same thing about Bev's husband for the kill piece. Um, I, you know, to go a different direction, I'm just going to go with giant forehead it character. That was just the, the, I, the explosive forehead action happening was not my favorite. Chill. I'm going to chill with my boy, Eddie. I just love Eddie. He's just always been a favorite of mine since part one. Um, the hypochondria, but he's such a good boy at heart. I think he'd be just fun to hang out with and he might be able to get me illegal prescriptions. <laughs> and and um, thrill. I'm I'm gonna go with my boy James McAvoy. Yeehaw! <laughs> All right, Ray. All right, so I am going to kill Eddie's mom <laughs> because I didn't like her very much in the first movie, and I didn't get to kill her in the first movie. So I'm gonna kill her. I am going to chill with um, the zombie guy with the Trans Am because I'm figuring we could like go cool places, and I don't know, maybe know some cool spots to go to. And I'm going to thrill with um, old lady swinging boobs, I think. Oh. I mean, I don't know. They're they're blue. They're there. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of crazy stuff could happen. They're there. All right, Lynn. Okay. I would kill Mike Hamlin because he annoyed the shit out of me. I would chill with Pennywise because why not? He seems interesting. And thrill, I guess, Ben. All right. Patrick. The older Ben. The older Ben. <laughs> I'd like Hot the clarification. <laughs> We have a lot of similarities. I was also going to kill Mike Hamlin just because I thought it would have been a better movie without him uh, getting involved and steering everybody in certain directions. Chill, I was going to say Bowers, going back to the Trans Am thing. You know, it just seemed like he had it going on with the mullet and everything like that. Yeah. Young or old Bowers? Both. Oh. <laughs> All the Bowers. Why, why can't I have both? <laughs> got four seats. Got two in the back. All right, shotgun. And uh, Thrill, I was also going to do Ben. I mean, he looked pretty ripped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was going to kill the zombie chauffeur just because I felt like this part was pointless. Thank you, Mickey. I mean, he got somebody from point A to point B. Thank you for that. But other than that, there's no reason for you to get there. The chauffeur is like pointless. I was going to hang out with Bill because I figured he's a screenwriter. He probably has some interesting stories to tell, even if the endings suck. <laughs> and I also was going to have sex with Ben because he looked like he might have some nice abs. He definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition which represents how well the movie is made, including the script, cinematography, acting, and effects. The second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplishes emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. 
How much do you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Our rating scale goes from a 1 to a 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now, we have six of us sitting here in the studio, and we only have three slots in our little um, calculation formula there, spreadsheet. So what I think we're going to do is we're going to pair up. And uh, I'm going to, Patrick, Helen, you guys are going to talk and come up with one set of scores. Jimmy, Anne, you're going to get together and come up with one set of scores. And Lynn, you and I are going to get together and come up with one set of scores. And then we are going to, we're going to give them. So Team Helen, Team Anne, Team Ray. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll be back in a minute or two. We are back from our deliberations. Let's start with Team Anne. Ray, I'm not sure you could have paired up two, <laughs> two reviewers with more bipolar perceptions of this movie. But Jimmy and I made it work, right? Right, my man? Yeah, no, I mean, I, there, there wasn't too much uh, arguing. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, very polite with each other. There was less debate and more compromising. Yes. <laughs> As Jimmy says, very politely. Definitely, definitely some uh, very... Diplomacy. You know, we'll just go dead smack in the middle of our two scores there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't fight. We just took the average. <laughs> that, that's fine. So what are your scores? All right. So for technical, all right. So we thought that the CGI in this was amazing. The setting and costumery and all that was fine because it was sort of modern times. Um, but of course, we had to take off some points for the plot holes. So many plot holes. I mean, Jimmy was like, come on. And and you know me, I don't typically rate tech on plot holes. So anyways, we neutralize at a seven for this category. Um, impact, at the end of the day, we gave it a six. Um, I liked this movie and, you know, Jimmy not so much. But, uh, you know, we there were some good jump scares in this movie, which I enjoyed more. But what we were really saying was the comedy while it was really funny throughout the movie, neutralize the scare factor a good amount. And, and I think neutralize the impact because it's not what I was expecting going into this movie, especially after watching the first one. Like It was much funnier than it was scary. All right. And then enjoyment, we also rounded out at a seven. I enjoyed this a lot more. I was like, I would watch this again. I thought this was great. I didn't think it was a perfect movie, but I liked it. It was funny. It was scary. It's like a good combo for me. All right, thank you. Okay, Team Helen. <laughs> so for technical, we rounded out at a six. So Patrick really liked the cinematography. And I said, I don't know how this CGI is going to hold up in 10 years. And it seemed like there was a significant amount of it, so we gave it a six. For impact, we also gave it a six. I don't remember why. <laughs> well, I gave it a five on impact just because it was a lot of jump scares. And I don't know, I thought being it more of like a alien thing where you don't really know what it is. They could have done a lot more with, you know, could have possessed people. Like we were going back to the kid at the beginning. Was he possessed by it? I don't know. I thought it could have been scary. I also thought it was funny. But. And I think I like the jump scare. So we rounded it to a six. And enjoyment, we gave it a seven. 
I think we were same season on that one. We'd watch it again. I don't know how great it was. Maybe we'd pick up something we missed, but we'd watch it. I, I would watch it again. Just I would also watch it again. All right. And for Team Ray, uh, for technical, we gave it a six. I thought it was pretty technically competent, uh, but plot holes, Jimmy, and. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, yeah. For impact, we gave it an eight. It was funny. There's jump scares. Yeah, and I actually thought it was pretty emotional. Um, I, To me, the most emotional part of the movie was when Eddie was in the corner and he was scared and Bill was yelling at him and he was like, don't be mad at me, Bill. And like, there was, I don't know, there was just something like pitiful about what he was saying. And also, like, it sounded like something heartfelt you might say to a friend who you didn't want to be mad at you. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought there was a pretty good, pretty good impact, emotional impact in the movie. And then finally, enjoyment, we gave it a seven. I think um, Lynn, a little higher than me, we kind of think compromised a little bit on that. I would watch it again. Yeah, I would definitely watch it again. The only problem is the three hours. It's like Lord of the Rings. I like Lord of the Rings, but man, they're long. It's very long. <laughs> yeah. All right, and why don't you work the magic? I would do the drum roll sound effect if I could, but I can't. So we'll just go right into it. <laughs> All right, so at the end of the day, that here's how the three teams ranked up. Team Ray, you lead the pack at a rounded out 7.0. Congratulations for ranking this movie the, the highest. Um, Jimmy and I compromised at a 6.67. So good good for us. We didn't totally tank it. We didn't totally float it. And Team Helen, you guys came in at 6.33, which brings it, Chapter 2, to a rounded 6.67. All right, so that puts... <laughs> It Part 2 at 14th in our ranking. Now, where? how does that compare to It Part 1? Where did It Part 1 fall? Oh. I'm interested. I tanked that movie. <laughs> 21. Ah, oh, 21. <laughs> Boy, it was a 6.22 versus 6.67. Well, and it was bumped down because of this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. But it's not too far apart, I don't think, really. It's in the same stratosphere of movie, I guess. And what's it uh, near, Anne? So number 14 actually ties this movie with one of our favorites, The Void. Yeah, I I like The Void a lot more than I like this movie. I don't think The Void was as good of a movie movie. Had cheesier effects and all that, but I enjoyed it more. It was more original, I think. Yeah, I I agree. Although it was original in in the 80s, so we've just kind of been simmering in that for the last 30-some years. All right, well, is that it for everybody? (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) okay all right all right well if you enjoyed this podcast help us grow our audience rate and review us on apple podcasts or whichever podcast app you use and please share with your friends and family on facebook twitter and other social media platforms give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review you can find us on facebook and twitter you can also email us at host.hth at gmail.com i want to thank you for joining us for this episode of hilltop horror movie reviews i'm your host ray richards and on behalf of my co-hosts and guest hosts Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us in year two. Woohoo! Do it. <laughs>